Hello and welcome to That Film's For You. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Bumblebee. So this is the sixth entry into the live-action Transformers film series, serving as a prequel to 2007's Transformers. If you haven't watched Bumblebee yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Directed by Travis Knight, um, this is the the first live-action Transformers film to not be directed by Michael Bay, although he still acts as a producer. Bumblebee stars Haley Steinfeld alongside a rusty yellow 1967 VW Beetle. Luke, do you have the plot? On the run and seeking refuge on Earth in 1987, the Autobot Bumblebee hides in a junkyard in a small California beach town as a yellow 1967 Volkswagen Beetle. Charlie, on the brink of turning 18, discovers the battle-scarred and broken Bumblebee who has lost his voice and his memory. When Charlie revives him, she quickly realises that Bee is a robot in disguise. Dun, 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 dun. That does sound dun, like dun, incredible. Dun, dun, dun. It does sound like incredible. That is Transformers. Robots in, robots in disguise. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I feel like we've discovered something. I've just shown my cards here, people. I was about to sing Transformers in Disguise. I am not a Transformers guy. <laughs> Upon hearing you say it, it is Robots in Disguise, isn't it? They what were you going to say? Transformers in Disguise. Whoa. Which is wrong. No, that's definitely correct. Put my hands up to that. We're, this is our first um, podcast Transformer movie review. The, yeah, the first Somehow time we've, we've ever talked Transformers. Yeah, I think. I guess you stopped watching the, the later ones, oh, 4 I've and 5. I've seen the first three. I liked the first one. Yeah. I've only seen it the once, but that one time I do remember liking it. Mm. Mate of mine that I watched it with, we walked out the cinema together and he's like, you know what? This movie was better than Independence Day. At the time, I disagreed. <laughs> I still disagree now. No, the first one, it, it's, it's got everything going. It is it's the best. Fun, it is it's the best glossy, of the movies. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's stupid. But I've not it, seen the latest one with Nazis, Merlin. <laughs> Like oh, King Arthur. horrible! It's not even like it's not even like there's action that's fun enough to just switch off and enjoy. Like even the action's crap. Like it's just oh that that was enough. The last night was enough to turn me off these Transformers movie. But uh, but like a sucker, here we are talking about Bumblebee, the spin-off prequel. And when this movie was announced, I think both of us just laughed at the idea. Like who who wants to see this? Mm. And then we saw the first trailer, and I'm, and I'm like, like, okay, yeah, I want to see this. Set in the eighties. My sweet spot. I love anything <laughs> set in the eighties. Um. So is this this being a, a a prequel? I've heard talks, little rumors, little little conversations of people saying, in a way, this is a soft reboot. Yeah, I think it could be looked at as a soft reboot, but also it does still fall in line with that first Transformers movie. To an extent, I mean, Bumblebee was on Earth first at the start of that um that two thousand seven Transformers movie. But there's other things going on, like the Autobots and Optimus Prime arriving on Earth. This movie implies that it happens during the 80s. And they look very different. Like, what we get in this movie, they look like the toys, the animated movie. There's continuity issues here that that don't really make sense. There's events going on in this movie that kind of negate what happens and what is discovered in both, not just the 2007 movie, but like the sequels that follow. Am I right in thinking that the... Young Agent Simmons. That's the uh, John Totoro character. Yeah, Sim- right, well, okay. I mean, Simmons is the same name. If it 100% is the same character, so it probably I'm is. not sure. They've but... cast a young guy with curly black hair. I think it's safe to say it's a young Totoro. 
So it is still within that world, isn't it? It definitely, like, on one hand, they're saying, yeah, it is. Things are things are happening. You know, at the end of the movie, Bumblebee does change into a Camaro, which is what... That's how we're introduced in that first movie. Yeah, that's how he looks. That's what he looks like in that first movie. But then there are other things... That was a shame, though, wasn't it? But then he meets Optimus Prime, and it's like, well, that doesn't happen until, you know, the events with Sam Witwicky unfold, stuff with, with his... Great, I don't want to get into Shia LaBeouf. Let's talk <laughs> Bumblebee. Let's talk this movie. Jeez. Good to be well, here no, all day. no Bumblebee. I mean, no. <laughs> Lots of Bumblebee. No Michael Bay. Um, I mean, in the director's chair. You see his name in the credits, yeah. I mean, this is a very different thing. It is. Travis Knight. So this he's his first live-action film. And we spoke recently on the movie show that they were, his name was thrown around in talks for replacing James Gunn on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. After watching this, Upon seeing this movie, I see it completely. But before going into this movie, this is the animation guy. And, you know, that he did the um, Kubo and the how many strings? Uh, six? I think, I think it was, it was it two strings. Two strings? It might be six. Maybe it's two. He did the Kubo Four. movie. And that was, you know, critically acclaimed. I've not seen he, it. Uh, was it Box Trolls? That's another That's one of another his. One, yeah, See, so. It's all like stop motion kind of animation. But him directing this, like, this is a very well put together movie. Now, obviously, what they've done with this movie is they've stripped it right back. So, you know, thinking of those other movies, you think those big bombastic CGI robot fights just going on for way too long. There's all this stuff happening convoluted plots things just happening like explosions crazy stuff all gone when this movie started just the opening blew my mind because i'd seen these trailers and i was expecting what the majority of this movie is what on earth it's a small american yeah, a girl and a robot but the opening wow it's like a live action cartoon in a good way mm. it felt like proper transformers or at least what i knew transformers to be on on that like on that opening scene, now people might get angry at me because this might be an incorrect question, I guess. But the the Transformers on what's the planet they live on? Cybertron. Cybertron, that's the one. Don't get angry, people. They already even I knew. Yeah, that. I mean, they oh, I just slipped my mind. They they're in their robot forms, right? But like their bodies, their shapes, and their color already look like you know, like Optimus Prime Center. He already looks like he's got the body of a of a truck. Yeah, they all do. Or they all have the bodies of how we know them to look. It's it's confusing to me. It, like to me, that doesn't make any sense. Like when they in that two thousand seven movie, and I will try to stop talking about it. But when they arrive, they're sort of like just these black sort of you know like shells of of this robot of these robot figures. And then you know like Optimus Prime lands and he's he's all black. He's just like this robot. And then he scans that truck, that semi that semi trailer truck, and he. Adopts the colors, he adopts the shape, the design, and that's why he then looks like the Optimus Prime that we get in that movie. They kind of just like scrap that and say, "Well, they already have their colors. They already have like Optimus Prime has a chest that looks like they look like truck windows." It this doesn't is, make sense. This there's, is where I'm coming from. It, does, a, it doesn't make sense. They explained it in that first movie. In this Edward, movie, yeah. they look like we know them to look, and I'm just fine with it. Don't. No, no need to explain it. Let's just go with it. It's, ah, oh, but it, it's, it's a thing. It just irked me because I'm like, this had the potential to be a very real, down to earth, grounded movie. I know that sounds like a ridiculous thing. To You're say. describing a Transformers movie. I don't want to see. <laughs> but this is the movie I want to see. I mean, you get you put those toys on the big screen. 
Yeah, put him and on the big screen on Earth, though. You get Soundwave on Cybertron, and he spits out a cassette. Why the hell is there a cassette on Cybertron? Do they even know what a cassette looks like? It does make sense, and it irked me. And I mean, if the designs first, are cool, and I love. Like, I mean, the latest one. If that latest movie still happened, then they've already been on Earth anyway. Because weren't the, I mean, that's I'm, I'm speaking to a movie I've not seen, but I'm pretty sure they were there back in the day. You've got what was it, Optimus Prime? Oh yeah, riding they, a oh, they've dinosaur. Been there. Oh, they've been there since dinosaur times. Exactly. Like. So there's your answer. <laughs> let's let's move on. <laughs> so they went with back to Cybertron. <laughs> oh, outrageous. Um, but yeah, everything is stripped down a bit. It's a it's a I guess a softer tone as well. Um, I noticed I didn't notice until I got my movie ticket. It said a PG rating, an Australian PG rating. So I was like, oh, this isn't going to be like violent or intense. Uh, the other movies have been M-rated. So I guess, yeah, it is like a softer, nicer movie, It just I guess. seems tonally it's fitting the toy. Like, it yeah. feels like a this proper is a, a toy movie, friendly. but without feeling cheap. And I think leaning into the 80s, and boy, do they remind you that it's set in the 80s oh, they... a lot. <laughs> how, many, how many times <laughs> do you see a Walkman? <laughs> There's so many references. But it also, not only... Is it set in the 80s? So you're getting that nostalgia. It actually, for me, it feels like it was made in the 80s. It feels like the the structure of the storytelling, everything just feels 80s. And it being a PG movie, well, you've got to think of movies like Goonies, you know, with that feel. And I definitely get that tone here of the Amblin movies. Well, that's it. I mean, you can look at the... There's an obvious influence of, of those movies from that period. In this, I mean, take E.T., for example. Oh, Spielberg is all, all like, over this. But E.T. as a major one, there's multiple scenes, not just one where it's like, this is literally like, this is E.T. Like, there's a moment where Charlie and Bumblebee, you know, like, they touch hands, fingers almost. There's Bumblebee's left to his own devices at the home. No one else is there. Well, kind of like wanders e. around. getting drunk. Yeah, he yeah. even opens a soda can, which is straight out of E.T. It's a deleted you know one of the extended versions of the movie but you know it still happens there's a lot of those moments i was expecting i mean she does ride a bike but i was expecting them to the go, bike to lift off <laughs> to go flying at some point it's there like a lot of it plays well plays nice but at the same time it's like there's a lot that it's like we have seen this before you could say you know it's an homage it's uh you know, it, it's taking those influences and really making them shine. And it does work for the most part for this movie. And it's nice to have that sort of tender thing. Iron Giant is another example of just the vibe and feel you get from the from the film. All right, so we want to break down some characters. We'll start with the humans because we know that's what we're wanting out of this. Let's well, start with John Cena. He's one of the first characters that we get to see in this. Yeah, and I didn't think he would have this big of a role like he's essentially if not the second the third main character like he's he is a really good fit for this film it's it's funny because you can look at his performance and i was doing and i was like you know it's pretty campy it's pretty like hammy and stuff but then if you think of those you know those old cartoons the old transformer cartoons anytime there was like a a military type guy or characters they are like they're just Campy, hammy, just over the top. And he, he doesn't... Tina doesn't push it as far as just being ridiculous. But you do get that sort of like, oh, it's a little bit cringy, but... But he's got but some it really works. good moments. And just with Cena, his build, you do get, at times, an Arnie vibe. Yeah. So it felt like Predator, almost in the opening, <laughs> when, you know, you've got the the aliens, the 
you know the Transformers or whatever are coming onto them. Yeah, it has it has that feel to it. And he has a really good line when he's like he's the one that's saying the Decepticons. You you can't trust them. It's in they the literally introduced themselves as the Decepticons. <laughs> I, you good. might be you might be on something there, but like obviously with the eighties setting, if you think of those like eighties action movies where you have you know these big big guys like Arnie and you know Stallone and stuff, Don Cena is is one of those big guys, so it's like he is sort of like the action hero of of like an eighties film, like I guess, and that kind of works in a, works its way in a, as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. it does. But it definitely, like, thinking of actors that we have today, you've got The Rock, you've got John Cena, you know what? All wrestlers. I was going to say <laughs> yeah, Dave Batista as another one. <laughs> well, they're guys that have that size, but can carry themselves well in a movie. Yeah. Well, let's talk Charlie. She's our main character. She's Hayley Steinfeld, as, as we mentioned. Am I right in thinking that Charlie was the little boy in the cartoon? And they've just. I can't remember what his name. his name was. Wasn't it like Rusty or something? Oh, or I seem to remember Charlie. Sparky? I think it was Sparky. Because I thought it was Charlie and then a younger brother in this. I thought that's who that was, Otis. I thought it was Charlie and Otis. But this is a cartoon that I watched as a kid. I've got you no... might be thinking of Milo and Otis. Who's that? I don't know. There's, the cat, <laughs> there's a cat and dog movie. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of Garfield. No? No, that's Garfield and Otis. Wow. There's a Let's... lot of Otis's. Otis I. So, Charlie, <laughs> she's, so I guess her storyline is, you know, you've got, she's turning 18, there's a conflict, there's like a, a history with like, her father's died, her mom's moved on, there's like a family dynamic issue there, there's a lot, I guess there's puberty and hormones and feelings and emotions. A lot of teenage anxious, yeah. like sad all the time. Was there too much or was it enough? Oh, was it, it fitting? It probably stuck around longer than I thought it would, but mm. it is valid though. Like she's she's suffering. She she lost her dad at a young age and it appears though the rest of her family just moved on and she's like suffering alone. So I, I get it, but it probably, but this kind of movie probably lasted longer than yeah. it should have. I think they could have pulled back on like the subtleness, the subtle subtleness of you know like telling us that her father died like they had to tell us about four or five times in the first half an hour that you know her dad died or there was an issue they're like like we get it like i i was sick of hearing it sort of thing like i knew it was a a thing they could have just left it um but overall i think she sort of developed into a likable character like she's fun she's probably the best lead character and any Transformers movie yet. Oh, by far. Like, and Steinfeld, this is the first time I think I've seen her. Like, I know she did that movie a few years ago, Edge of 17. We got to hear her as Spider-Gwen in Into the Spider-Verse, and she was good in that. But seeing her and hearing her at the same time in this movie, I think she's really good. And with the, you know, all the you know scenes where she's down, missing her dad, what I will say about Steinfeld, based on this movie... She can really hit it out of the park with the drama, but the comedy I found didn't always work for her. Well, speaking of comedy, we got—is it Memo or Mimo? Mimo. Did you say Mimo? Mimo, and he's just tacked on whenever they need him. He just—he just comes and goes. So Jorge Lindenberg Jr., who I did like in this, he's a likable again, another likable character. But he just—he's some. I think if Bumblebee. Was a transformer that could talk and have a proper you conversation. You wouldn't need Mimo. It's just someone for it to talk to. Yeah, I mean, even when you get to the third act, they do kind of just like remove him. Yeah, and then it comes back later, just like oh, everything good. And like, he's like, 
chatting to Cena. Yeah. Can you phone my parents? As much as he is <laughs> likable, he is like is it just there to have that interaction and that's why a, he's there. There's a relationship that's built there and I mean I guess it is kind of cool that at the end when, you know, he kind of you know, it seems like they're they're getting flirty. She gives him a little peck sort of thing. It's all nice. In the closing scene, he goes to like hold her hand, and she's like, "Nah, we're, we're not, not there. Yet. We're not there yet." Yeah. And it's like, she just needed one more moment to just be like a really independent, tough chick. Like, and I thought like that's cool. Yeah, I really liked her character. I liked his character, but he really was like he's just just there when they needed him. Yeah. Let's talk Transformers. That's why we're all here. The big robots. Um. So we get probably the least amount of of Transformers in this movie, even though you see, you know, you do see a lot of them in the opening scenes. Um, a lot of them don't have dialogue and stuff, but you do see them. But I like it though, because it is Bumblebee's movie, and even with the Decepticons, you've only got two really that are on Earth. And I completely miss the fact that playing Shatter, you've got Angela Bassett. Well, playing voice by voice, yeah. <laughs> I doubt she was in mocap, but Angela Bassett. Wow. Yes, that's Shatter. Um, these are, she's a red Plymouth satellite. Um, I think she also transforms into a Harrier jet. Ah, and Justin Theroux playing Dropkick, the um, the blue one, the blue transformer. It almost sounds like you're discovering this information. I asked. <laughs> <laughs> so the blue one. Well, yeah, the blue AMC Javelin, um, the, the Super Cobra. I don't even know what these. As are. I said, I the wrote blue these one. Down, but... We've got the red one, the blue one. It makes it easy, doesn't it? It does. One doesn't of them it, yeah. sounds like a woman. One of them sounds like a man. Yeah, the bad guys. <laughs> just like the cartoon. Like honestly, this movie they have really just stripped it back. And I like it. Yeah. I mean, you know their motivations. It's nothing overly intense. Like they're trying to track down Optimus Prime. Um, to do that, they're going after the scout, which is Bumblebee, to get information. It's pretty straightforward. Pretty basic. They're manipul- manipulating like the humans to access their satellites and try and track them down that way. On that, like, did this movie imply that the Decepticons gave humans the internet? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. You know, whilst we're talking about that, though, Dr. Powell. Oh, yes. What a dick. Like, that character had no time for him. Mm. No time at all. That was John Watson. Awesome. What, what was he doing? Oh, he was just sort of, he was just wild and amazed that, you know, an alien life form or Decepticons had made contact and you want to be at the forefront of that and he's like yeah give them everything they need yeah i mean it didn't make sense like but again that i i think this is where the problem lies like this movie implied these these human these characters these characters that are directly involved with sector seven which we know was developed and created in in relation to discovery you know extraterrestrial life aliens and stuff like that they know of Megatron or of the whatever they called him, number one. And they've hidden him in the in the who they're aware of, I guess, the Transformers existence. But then obviously when they're having the discussion about, oh yeah, these robots have arrived, it's as if they're disc- they're they're meeting them for the first time. Yeah, no, like, I completely missed that. I thought first contact was Bumblebee. I didn't uh, no. Because by this time, uh yeah, uh, Megatron's already been what in this movie or in the other movies? Well, in the first Transformers movie. Oh, let's no, no, no. Let's just. So you have to ignore it. Just say, honestly, that's it. Let's but it just me. talk about Bumblebee, and let's ignore 
you know, like King Arthur and Merlin and all of I'm that I'm not nonsense. even going by that. I'm like literally so we're going, not going by the first movie as well, which is Because it would be basic. good to look at this as being like a true prequel, whereas everything else we've seen takes place after this. But of course, medieval England was before 1987. <laughs> yeah. So we need to ignore The Last Night. Yeah, I think you need to ignore all of the movies. I would like it. You have if, to. If this is just a clean reboot. Then don't call it a soft reboot. They should be calling it, we're redoing it. But by calling it a soft reboot, I guess they can cherry pick what they want to keep, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I'd have liked this movie to have ended with him still being a Volkswagen. For and room to... Yeah, just room to tell more stories. I mean, I guess Charlie is done. Like, she's had her adventure. That's a, that's a good thing, you know, like... She's the first character to be like, look, I, I don't have a destiny with this robot. I don't have any sort of like weird, over-dependent relation. Like, I don't need him to be around. Bumblebee, this robot has a bigger purpose. I'm going to let him go. I don't need him. You know what I really You know, like, that's good. That's I good. liked when Bumblebee did transform into, what did you say, the Chimera? Yes. Yep. And he transforms and he's on the bridge and he starts driving alongside a truck. That kind of looks like Optimus Prime. I assume they're saying that that is Optimus Prime because in the next scene when you see exactly Bumblebee, he's I with Optimus would have Prime. liked that to have been the last scene when maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Well, but then you're right in that next scene it you is, get shown. It's the same design it is. of truck and model. It's just a it's a slightly different. I think it was color a bit scheme. more vague though, and it's sort of like maybe it is, maybe it isn't, and he's going to go off on more adventures. Whereas having him straight away meeting with Optimus, it's I mean, what are they going to do next? I can't see them doing... They literally Bumblebee look up too. and see... And I'm, I'm assuming they're the other Autobots, but I guess they could be Decepticons. They're looking up and they're seeing more Transformers liking, arriving in Earth. It's I'm like, liking the solo approach. like Just re- not to be like oversaturated with Transformers, because that's what we've had. Mm, this movie is working for me at this scale, but if, this, if the next movie is just setting up what we're getting from those other Michael Bay movies, I probably wouldn't be as interested. And I think, I think that's the problem. If they didn't do that, I wouldn't have a problem with it as much. If it was just, okay, Bumblebee arrived, and by the end of the movie, we've only really seen Bumblebee and these other two Decepticons, you know, that's why it's a smaller scale. No one's really aware of what's going on, and it's open to, to where does Bumblebee go next that he eventually ends up in that junkyard that, you know, Sheila Booth comes across. Like, I want that to just be open completely, like, this could go anywhere. But it's so, it puts a stamp on, this is the date, this is what's happening, and these are the events that unfold which contradict what we've seen from there. And it, it, it throws off the continuity, so it's like, it's, not, it's a movie set in the same world, but at the same time, it's not. Is this the first Transformers movie that opens with the All Stark Pictures logo? Uh, no, they've done that for a few of them. I think it's the, I think first the later time ones, maybe I've four and five. It. See, it seems to be that's what they are using for any Hasbro adaption. Right, okay. My daughter, she watched the My Little Pony movie, <laughs> and I think Allspark was in True. front of that. Because I've seen it before, and it's more likely to be My Little Pony than a Transformers movie. I mean, that on a, that on a thing, it's like... Hasbro or Paramount, whatever, they've... Cinematic Universe. Yeah, no, I mean, like... Ponies and Transformers. <laughs> but they've held on to, like, this, the Allspark as such a big thing. They're yeah. obviously not putting that to rest. It's the MacGuffin of the first movie, like, is... But that's what gives them their, like, 
power source. Isn't that what keeps them powered? Yeah. The all spark? Yeah. That's like their yeah. life force. It's a pretty big deal. That's the reason they come to Earth. <laughs> but in this movie, that's not the reason they come to Earth. They come to Earth because there was a battle on Cybertron and they needed to flee. And Optimus Prime sent Bumblebee here for that reason, not to retrieve the glasses. Well, am I right in thinking that different Transformers were sent as scouts to different planets? And it was just the case of Bumblebee being sent to Earth. Was that the idea that they were, they're not necessarily looking to just come to Earth, they were checking out other planets? Or was the only one well, scout you, This out? movie or the other no, one? No, this movie. This just, mo- let's just talk Bumblebee. This movie, it was... There was things all going on. And... But was it multiple scouts? Or was he yeah, the only scout? Yeah, because there was that one only... that was like on the moon or something. Yeah, so they didn't only want to come to Earth. I guess they were like they were scouting different planets. Yeah, but it was all happening in like a big eruption, havoc, things going on. And Optimus Prime was like, you pretty much like, you go there, you go there, you go there. Because I like the idea of multiple scouts, multiple planets. Mm. And not a case of, it's all about Earth. Yeah, Do you know that, what I mean? Because yeah. it, it seems to be in a lot of these movies, it's all about Earth. Yeah. It would be more interesting if it's broader. It just makes that. the universe bigger. Exactly. Like the world. Like, I would have preferred if this was just a movie on Cybertron and then it ended with Bumblebee being sent off to Earth. You know, like, I'm trying not to show my cards too early, but <laughs> I, I wanted this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the little cutscenes of Cybertron. Right. But not a whole movie. Because if it was a whole movie, I'd be getting flashbacks to Ready Player One. Oh, true. And I don't want to watch that right, again. It just would have just ever. been a CGI. Yeah. It would have been, at the end. a live-action animated movie. We love it. But special effects-wise, on that, speaking CGI and stuff, I mean, the movie, it looks by this by this stage, I'm like, if you were to make a Transformers movie, Transformers movie where the effects are crap... Then why bother? It wouldn't make sense. Like... You could say anything you want about all the movies, acting, story, whatever, convoluted plots. The effects have always been up there. Even that first movie in in 07. In 07, yeah. And the effects are amazing. And I think having it in the 1987 setting, I think it works really well. Because the effects do look fantastic, but then in contrast to everything else that we're seeing, it's interesting. It's really, yeah, it's really visually interesting. You get those older looking cars as well. So you get like, these cool little aesthetic designs and like like the the old designs of the you know the transformers is great to see in live action it's, it's plays so much more on on your nostalgia and all that um in terms of like action sequences you know i've already said that you, they strip it down there's less of like just the bombastic action what you do like you get sort of they're very minor and reduced they still look good but they're not as insane as we've seen I did like the battle mode that Bumblebee had. Yeah, it was like, his, pretty cool. yeah, like his B.I. helmet thing. Uh, what did you think of the score and soundtrack? Now, we've got a score by Dario Marianelli. So this is the first time that Steve Jablonski has not provided the score. I really like the score he did for The Island. <laughs> Bit random. Um, <laughs> but he did yeah, that yeah, was a good right. score. Um, and also, Michael Bay. Yeah, I I can't remember the score, but there was a lot of 80s songs. The 07 movie was on TV the other day, and I checked out a little bit of it. And um, I saw the scene where like the Autobots arrive and like the music that's playing. I was like, yeah, that's the Transformers movie ah. music. And it is... There's something really cool about it, and um, I really like it. 
and I can't remember the score for this movie. No, I, I can't it at was, all. I mean, there's music and stuff that's in there that the you know the '80s tracks and stuff like that. And what did we get? They here? give a good um, flavor and feel. The Smiths, they, they yes, played yeah. a couple of times. Well, was he? Oh, is it Bumblebee shat on them, but <laughs> yeah, was it Rick Astley or Nick Kershaw? I always get those two mixed up. But we're getting a lot of '80s pop songs, yeah, here. and a lot of in that scene you're talking about where. Bumblebee's spitting out the cassette tapes. Yeah, the, yeah the, violently. Violently. <laughs> like, that would hurt <laughs> if it connected with her head. That's his secret weapon, just cassettes to the face. But the score, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it was more at- atmospheric as opposed to anything iconic at all. I mean, it wasn't distracting, and I I don't remember not liking it at the time, but I can't recall it. Yeah. I but miss that, I miss to, that but score. That seems to be a lot of films, though. I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's not a lot. You line. watch a lot of movies, and then it's not like when back in the day with your John Williams, mm. your Danny Elfman, where is the themes just stayed with. But it. I suppose it's like we have we have this amazing score, and like it's recognized at least to me anyway. It was recognizable. It's like I hear, it, I'm like, that's oh, transform, that's cool. And we just don't get that. And maybe that's because it's just about Bumblebee. Okay, fine, fair enough. I mean, that's true. Yeah. So something... maybe they've tried to. I'm sure he's got his own signature theme. Or look into it. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure he must have. <laughs> he must do. Halloween, <laughs> which was the original John Carpenter theme. I'm just thinking now that was the last recent movie. Oh, The Incredibles too. Yeah, you know, that had like strong themes yeah, that, that you could you could still... hum or whistle after the movie. Mm. Maybe not whistle hum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. Effect, it really it? does sound like robots in disguise. It does, doesn't it? Which came first? Well, we know. We know oh, well. Um, Giacchino <laughs> was watching Transformers. What, what <laughs> What's composing? I mean, Incredible. Probably. What do you think of where this movie is going to go? Like, do you think we're going to get a Bumblebee two? Do you think we're going to get another spin-off of a different character? I think maybe they were planning not, but this movie seems to be tracking pretty well at the box office and critically as well. I think it's doing okay. So maybe they will give us more Bumblebee. That's why I think I'd have preferred it if they didn't have a meeting Optimus at the end of yeah. this. Yeah, I don't think it's actually doing too hot uh, oh, really? box office numbers-wise. Let me do a quick Google live as we speak. Live Google. Um, so budget, 100 to $130 million. Box office at the moment, 157 Okay. So it's you know it's made some money, but you know you, you add like marketing costs and stuff. Well, let, let's just look at the, the critical response then, because they're going to Because people have been liking it. Yeah, they have. And they're going to keep making these Transformers movies. They won't stop. But then making a worse movie, do they make more money? I don't know. So that's probably <laughs> where they're going to go. But I'd like more the way, in the vein of this. The way that 2018 went. Oh, Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. <laughs> the way to... Hey, it's the 1st of January. Oh, that's it. By the way 2018 went, there were a lot of bad movies that made a lot of money. Venom. Jurassic World. Venom's worse. Venom's. Yeah, but... Venom's potentially one of the highest grossing movies of the year. Madness. It is madness. It's madness. How many times are I going to bring us back to Bumblebee? <laughs> let's talk about this movie. I mean, I clearly... I, think, I mean, what else is there to say? Uh, let's wrap we've, it up. Rate we've it. concluded Charlie's story. Well, we know where we think... Well, I think she's done. Yeah. She's ended. We see Optimus. At I mean, the she end. could always come back if they do a Bumblebee too. But I liked her. For I, all intents I could, and purposes, I could see her again. And yeah, maybe she's not gonna be as whiny second time around. She's kind of like <laughs> she's, she's gonna be like in her early twenties. She's had a, she had a little bit of closure. <laughs> a little bit of closure. That's what we want. Ah, uh, the main character had a little bit of closure. 
Thumbs up. <laughs> Give your rating. I had a lot of fun with this movie. It is pretty straightforward with the plot, but I liked that. I loved the the cartoony, well, in a good way, the battles on Cybertron at the beginning and the couple of cutscenes that we've got. The the villains were just villains. <laughs> like they were just sort of like there, there were no no hiding it really. I had a lot of fun seeing as good. Uh, Haley Steinfeld again. It's the first time I've really seen her. Bumblebee until he found a way to speak. I was a bit unsure because I knew how it communicated using TV in the other movies, but in this, he's like he was tuning the radio to find his voice. I thought that was. That was pretty oh, he uses, cool. the, he uses the radio in the other ones as well. Oh, does he? Yeah, no TV. Oh, I thought yeah. it was TV. No, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. I've not seen them in a long time. But this movie, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I just really enjoyed it. And I thought I would like it going in again with, with that 80s setting. I'm going to go in with uh, four out of five. Like, wow. I, I did have a lot of fun with this. I think the more Transformers they reintroduce down the line, maybe my enjoyment will go down with that. But just focused on... Bumblebee, the human characters in this, I really enjoyed it. So best Transformers movie for you? Uh, I still really do remember liking that first one, but it's been a while. So I'd need to go back and revisit that. I definitely prefer it from, I think I've seen Transformers 2, 3, maybe 4. So I'd say it's the best sequel slash prequel. Fair enough. Um, There's a lot really good here the stripping back of things is good on one hand the the aiding setting is fantastic the the relationship between bumblebee and charlie is the highlight and the better part of this movie the rest of it falls sort of within the realm of the rest of the movies there's nothing really different there there's still sort of cartoony characters the villains are just like evil robots like you said um everything is stripped back so if you like the bombastic crazy CGI fights, you're not going to get that much of it in here. You get a couple, but it's it's not as crazy as, as you've seen. So in a way, it's sort of, you are getting a lesser movie, but at the same time, you're getting a more in-depth. But compared to the other Transformers movies, I mean, that's not a high bar to set. You just get a real character this time, and you get better human in- interactions. Focusing on one Transformer is probably more ideal. Um, and so that works. The inconsistencies with the rest of the franchise, I'm like, just do a reboot if you're gonna if you're gonna do this. Don't play games. It did irk me, and there's silly things like I said with the, you know, the Autobots already looking like, like they like they've been to Earth and already picked up their cars and stuff and adopted those vehicle looks. Like to me, it's fine. It's not bad. It's not amazingly great. It's it's fine. It's a three point five out of five for me. That's not bad. Yeah, quite like it. Not bad. <laughs> you know, just hearing it there, it does definitely feel like they were playing it safe. Like, just in case this wasn't a success, they could just do Transformers 6. Yeah. By not, and still having this as being canon. I suppose, yeah. But this movie, for what it is, I liked it. And it's probably the only Transformers movie I would look at watching again. See, that's the thing. Including like, going not, back to that first one. Like, with the other ones, like except for the fifth one, like... I would watch the other ones just purely because you, it's they're visual spectacles, if anything, you know? Like, like they're pretty garbage. The f- first one is a hell of a lot of fun. The rest I know, of are visual spectacles. With this one, watching Shia LaBeouf With again, this one, yeah, that's true. That's, that's the struggle for With me. this one, it's like, upon, like if, you were, if I was to go and I'm going to watch it again, it'd be watching it for 
you know, the nice moments, the quiet moments, the B sort of being awkward and scared and, you know, sort of coming out of his shell, it wouldn't be for the visuals and the spectacles because it's like there's nothing really in this movie that I can't get from the other ones in that regard. So I'd say the scenes on Cybertron. Like, if you're oh, a, sp- a purist Transformers fan, yeah, that's probably more accurate that's what you the get appeal. in this movie compared, you know, compared to those other... Transformers movies where Optimus Prime's got those weird flames on him and they tried to like jazz him up. Just give me basic red and blue. I reckon they should have, like I said again, should have just rebooted, have them come to Earth with those old classic designs, have the AD setting as well. I feel like that's the movie, you said that's the movie you want sort of thing, like, but just restart it so they don't have to tie into anything else and, and not irk me. By not doing it. Ah, I could just watch this movie and have it be its own thing. I think maybe that's what you've got to do, I suppose, to really enjoy it. I'll wrap up with some trivia because I've brought us all down. Um, at one point, Mimo holds a GoBots book. You know what GoBots are? The cheap Transformers? Yes. So the <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> so the GoBots were a toy line uh, which was the main competitor to Transformers in the 1980s. But the brand has since been acquired by Hasbro, which obviously is the company that owns Transformers property. So they, they put it in the in the movie. And in the scene, Mimo drops the book when he's startled. <laughs> Blasphemy. Okay, cool. But yeah, go back. Like it. Trivia. Alright, well that's it for our review of Bumblebee. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film's You Podcast. And we also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. So there's plenty of content already available to dig into as we start this new year. Um, we've got our review of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Rewind and Review have their latest episode on 1978 Superman the Movie. And sounds like comics just looked at Elseworlds. So that's the DC crossover TV event. But kicking this year off, up next from us is our review of Aquaman. Sounds like comics have an episode looking at the chilling adventures of Sabrina and Rewind and Review are covering Die Hard. There's a slight delay, people. This was supposed to be posted towards the end of the year, around Christmas or just after Christmas. The guys lost the audio. It's Yeah, we had some technical issues. Um, this is the first official announcement of our, our delay and the first time this has really happened. But the guys are going to get together, Jason and Rob, and they will re-record Die Hard. And pretend that it was the first time we have ever done it. All right, but that's it. So look out for that when it does eventually come out. Uh, you've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film studio. We'll see you soon. You do know you're hosting, don't you? I'm I'm thinking, is he waiting for me to talk? Uh.